0: Midway along a life's long journey, I found myself in a glooming forest, lost, alone, no clear path before me. To tell of that time now tests me sorely, to think of that wild and tangled forest rattles my mind and fills me with fear, a fear so bitter that death is no worse. But to better recount the good I encountered, I now will tell of the fate that befell me. I still cannot tell how it was that I got there, so aimless and empty my life had become by wandering far from the ways of truth. But I soon found the foot of a sloping mountain at the end of the dank and darkened valley that had shadowed my heart with fearful dread. As I lifted my eyes, I saw its shoulder mantled with beams of the slow rising sun, eternal guide of all wayfaring strangers. Then the fear that had frozen the lake of my heart all through that night of gasping terror softened like frost when it melts into dew. And as a wave battered man who, hauling exhausted, reaches the sand from a turbulent sea, will turn back and look at the peril behind him. So too my soul, even while fleeing, looked back on the path outstretched behind me that no man before had passed through and lived. Having rested a while to strengthen my body, I ventured across the scree-strewn slope, my lower foot firm with each careful step. But look, There before me, just as I started, a light-footed leopard in silent swift motion, its dappled pelt bright in the dawn's new light. It blocked my path and it held me firmly. It stopped me from taking another step forward. I looked behind and considered retreating. The lightening sky was herald of morning as the sun slow moved through constellations, the ancient companions with whom it had travelled since love divine first moved those spheres. This brought new hope, despite the presence of the shining leopard with its flashing pelt in that early hour of that gentle season. But my hope then gave way and fear reclaimed me as a mighty proud lion of a sudden appeared. With its eyes set upon me, it so grimly menaced, with flowing mane waving and rabid mouth hungry, that the air itself seemed to tremble and quiver. And then a lean wolf, more gaunt than the others, wiry and taut and skeletal in bearing, who many a life had dissevered asunder. And who, having gained great wealth and vast treasure, when faced with the loss of all they possess, would not bitter bewail their low-fallen fate? So too felt I with that restless beast, as it slowly approached, and I slowly retreated to the sunless and dank and forsaken forest. But while in that place of hapless abandon, a presence rose dimly before my vision, emerging, it seemed, from a measureless silence. When I finally descried him within that wasteland, I called out loudly, Have mercy on me, whether you be man or shade from Hades. He gently replied, No man am I. Though a man I once was, a son of Lombardia, my parents being of Mantova born. It was late in the reign of Emperor Julius, and I lived in Rome under the noble Augustus, in the time of false and lying gods. As a poet, I sang of the righteous Aeneas, the son of Anchises, who fled from Troy, as Ilion the Proud burned brightly behind him. But why do you waver? Why do you not strive to climb the bright hill that rises before you, the source and fulfilment of every joy? And with head bowed low, I shyly asked him, Are you the fountain-mouthed Virgil, from whom has flowed forth mighty streams of verse? Most honoured and brightest of all the poets, come, bring to fruition the labour and love that drove me to search your heroic verses. For long you have been my master and mentor. From you alone did I learn that sweet style that has brought me much honour and acclamation. Can you not see the fearsome creature that has made me recoil with pulse all a-tremble? Beloved sage, I know you can help me. Seeing my tears, he softly answered, Another path you must take, to put behind you this place of despair and of desolation. For the beast that has prompted your fearful retreat, will not allow any to pass beyond her, but destroys the life of all who would test her. And her nature so vicious, so wild and abhorrent, that even when filled with the prey she devours, her hunger burns keener than it did before. She has sated the lusts of packs of wolves, and will take in yet others until such time that the greyhound comes and tears her apart. He will eat not the fruits of earth or of metal, but will feed upon love and valour and wisdom with his reign ordained by auspicious heaven. He will bring deep healing to our poor wounded land, where Camilla the maiden gave up her life as too did Turnus, Nisus, and Euryallus. He will search out the wolf through every village, and will find her and drive her back into the hell from which she roared forth in furious envy. So I think it now best that you follow me, and I will serve as your faithful guide, leading you on to a place eternal. But there you'll hear screams of grievous despair, and there you'll see old and tormented spirits wishing only to die a second death. Beyond that, we come to the place of the souls who even while burning abide in the hope of one day joining the Blessed Ones. And should you then wish to ascend yet further, I cannot go with you, but there I must leave you with one more worthy than me to guide you. For the king who reigns there will not allow this rebel you see to stand before him, or ever to walk through his streets of splendor. He is king of all things, and therein his kingdom shines brightly around his throne of glory. How great is the joy of those he has chosen. I said I ask of you now, my poet in the name of that one God you never knew to take me away from this evil and others and to guide me through the places you spoke of through the realms of sad and suffering souls to find at last the gate of St. Peter. He rose and strode ahead. I followed close behind The day's last light and the darkening air set free the creatures of the darkened earth from their long and wearying daylight labours. And alone, I prepared to fight the battle of the path and the pathos that both lay before me. And this I retell now, through unerring memory. My muse and my genius, come help me now. O memory that harbours all things that I saw, make known to all your deepest nobility. And so, I began. My poet and guide, judge now my courage that it be not wanting before you entrust me to cross the high pass. You sang then of how the father of Silvius, courageous Aeneas, while yet in the flesh, strode without fear into the eternal. It can be no surprise to all men of high vision that the Lord who delivers us from every evil would show him great kindness while on that dark journey knowing full well the fate that awaited him, the fate foreordained by the powers of heaven to be father of Rome and of all her wide empire. The purpose whereof, to speak truth more clearly, was to bring into being that hallowed high place where the heirs of Saint Peter would later be seated. And by that descent which you praised in your telling, he learned of the ways that would bring him to glory, and lead to the mantling of popes through the ages. The vessel St. Paul underwent the same journey as the instrument chosen to strengthen our faith in the way that will bring us to certain salvation. But why should I come? And by whose decree? I am not Aeneas. I am not St. Paul. There are none who would deem me be worthy of this. For if I agree to take on this journey, I fear that our going would lead us through folly. Hear me, my sage, for my reason is slipping. And as one who unwills that which he first willed, whose purpose reverses with each new reflection and turns back from what he has just undertaken, so too was I on that darkening slope when by vacillate thinking I squandered the valour that had so charged my spirit just moments before. If I well understand the words you have spoken, replied the generous spirit before me, your heart is now gripped by the cowardly dread that can so stun a man that he holds back in terror from doing what honour and courage demand, like a beast that fears its own moving shadow. So to free you forever of this useless fear, now I will tell you what drove me to find you and how I first learned of your piteous plight. I dwelled in the place of spirits suspended when the voice of a blessed and beautiful woman called and I fell to her fragrant command. Her eyes shone more brightly than stars do in heaven and she spoke to me gently, with words soft and calming. In the tones of an angel, she said to me, O oh, kindly spirit of Mantovar born, whose fame still shines bright in the memory of men, and will further illumine the ages to come, a dear friend of mine, though no friend of fortune, now flounders alone on a harsh stony waste, lost and obstructed in nervous retreat. And from what I have heard told by others in heaven, I fear that he may have so lost his way that I have arrived now too late to save him. So rise and make use of your eloquent powers and all other means you can summon to save him so that I may find peace and that I be consoled. I am Beatrice who now sends you to find him and I yearn to return to the place that I came from It is love that has moved me to ask for your help. And when I return to my heavenly master, I will speak of you often in praise and thanksgiving. She then stood silent. I then began O woman of beauty and of purest high virtue, by whom humankind has come far to surpass all that is held in the orbit of heaven. Your command so fills me with pride and with honour, to accept at this instant would be yet belated. I wish for no more than to faithfully serve you. But tell me, why have you deigned to descend to these dreadful depths that for so long have held me far from that realm that is your true home? Since you wish so strongly to know of my purpose, said she, I will tell you both briefly and clearly why I have come here without trepidation. One should only be wary of things that may carry the force and the power to bring harm upon you. Fear nothing else, for they are as shadows. I was made by our God in His infinite mercy. In such a way that your pain cannot touch me, nor the flames and the fires that flare all around us. A mother above was so moved by sorrow for the plight of the one to whom I now send you, that the stern judge of heaven himself has been softened. She called to Lucia, the bearer of light, saying to her, Your true servant now needs you. I call upon you to bring him protection. So Lucia, the foe of all who are ruthless, arose and then came to the place I was sitting, alongside Rachel, our well-renowned elder. She said, Beatrice, beloved of God, why do you not tend to the man who so loved you that he left the low ways of the derelict herd? Are you not moved by his cries and his callings? Can you not see the death he contends with, flooding upon him more strong than the sea? There is no one on earth who could move more swiftly, even while fleeing the darkest of dangers, than I, after hearing what she had recounted. I came down to you from my blessed throne, fully trusting the power in your honest speech that uplifts both yourself and all who would hear it. And after the telling of all of these things, her luminous eyes, full with tears, turned away, which made me hasten, determined to find you. And so, I have come to you, just as she wanted, to lead you away from that vehement creature that is holding you back from the mountain before you. But tell me now, what folly has gripped you? Why is your heart so ensnared and so doubting, And what has become of your courage and passion? You have three blessed women who now look upon you with care from the heart of the high court of heaven, and my words of truth as a promise of good. And just as closed florets, burdened by night frost, when graced by the light of the sun's warming fires, will rise and will open to breathe in the day. So too did my failing honor revive, as the spirit of courage emboldened my heart, and I spoke as one now fully transformed. O blessed woman who has come to my rescue, and you, kindest soul, who, without hesitation, willingly took on the task she asked of you. You have charged my heart with a will and desire. Your fine speech has drawn me to take on this journey my resolve to be with you now fully restored. So let us away with but one will between us, with you as my guide, my lord and my master. After I said this, he turned and proceeded, and we moved on towards the high wooded path. I'm Through me you enter the tormented city. Through me you come to eternal pain. Through me you join with the desolate souls. It was justice that moved the High One who made me. I was brought into being by the power divine by the sum of all knowledge, the wellspring of love. Before me was no thing that was not eternal, and I will endure throughout endless time. Abandon all hope, all ye who now enter. These words were written in tenebrous hues suspended above a great arching doorway. I asked my master, what does this mean? He said to me then, with clear-headed wisdom, it is best now to put aside all of your doubt and put far behind you all faint-hearted fear. We arrive at that place of which I have spoken, where you'll see dire souls in deep agony, bereft of all reason." without understanding. As he gently rested his hand upon mine and knowingly smiled, I found consolation, and then came to know what had been concealed. Sighing and wailing and deep grief resounded, echoing stark through the starless air, which brought me both sorrow and a streaming of tears. such a babble of tongues, of voices in terror, agonised words and the roarings of rage, sounds of hands slapping, harsh rasping voices, all told of a tumult that rolled unrelenting, like sand whipped aloft by a whistling whirlwind, all through the rank air of that place of despair. With my head now bound in a shroud of confusion, I said, my master, what do I hear? And what people are these, so defeated by grief? Then he said to me, This miserable state is the fate that now holds the pitiful souls whose lives were worth neither praise nor disdain. They are now merged with that wretched chorus of half-hearted angels, neither rebels nor true, who served only themselves, ignoring their maker. They were thrown out of heaven that it be not tainted, but the depths of hell refuse to receive them, lest their presence incite the contempt of those there. Then I said to him, What weight is upon them that makes them lament so desolately? He said, I will tell you in very few words. The ones that are here have no hope of dying, and their visionless lives have become so debased that they simmer resentful of all other fates. All trace of their lives is erased from men's memories. They are spurned and despised by both justice and mercy, so discuss them no further, just observe and pass by. And as I beheld, I saw a large banner, furling and whirling in turbulent motion, that with every turn seemed to call out disdain and stretching behind to the furthest horizon were more souls than ever I deigned to imagine, undone and unmade by the coming of death. And among them I saw some familiar faces, including the shade of a cowardly one who dishonoured his life by a stubborn refusal. It was then that I knew with the fullness of certainty that this was the tribe of villainous souls, despised by both God by God's enemies. These wretches who never had been truly human, now naked and tortured by hornets and wasps, that surged and hovered and stormed all around them. Their faces were streaked with black blood that flowed, then mingled with tears and fell to the ground, to be sucked up by worms that were waiting below. And as I looked on past the ones there before me, to the many more massed on the bank of a river, I asked, my master, grant me this query. Who are these people I see in the twilight, and what has compelled them to gather together, seemingly eager to cross the wide river? And he said to me, I will answer your question only after such time that our feet come to rest on the cheerless banks of the Acheron River. With downcast eyes and feeling uneasy, fearing my questions had deeply annoyed him, I spoke not a word till we reached the broad river. And behold, on a boat that slowly moved closer, a haggard old man with skin pale as death, screaming, Woe be upon you, despicable souls! Never again would you see a blue sky. I come now to ferry you to the far shore, "'to eternal darkness, to fire and to ice. "'And you over there, you who were living, "'go now, withdraw from the ones who are dead.' "'But seeing me steadfast and standing my ground,' he said, "'By other ways and by other doors, "'elsewhere, not here, you may find a shore "'and light a wood that will carry you over.' "'My guide said to him,' Be calm now, Haron. Our coming was willed by the source of all will, so hold your wild tongue and ask nothing more. Then the tough woolly cheeks of the fearsome steersman of that misty marsh fell silent and still, and wheels of fierce fire encircled his eyes. But the naked and weary souls there before us grew suddenly pale and clenched hard their teeth as they finally grasped his ruthless intent. They cursed their God and they cursed their parents and they cursed that place and the whole human race and the passion that brought them to earthly birth. Then they all retreated together as one, loudly bemoaning the vicious abyss that awaits every man who has no fear of God. But the demonic Haran, with his eyes of fire, drove and herded them on together, beating all who stalled with his weighty oar. And as the dry leaves of autumn fall one on the other, till the naked branch sees its once green mantle, all spread out below on the waiting earth, so too fell the bad seeds of Adam, one on the other at that desolate shore, like birds that attend to each other's call. And so they rode o'er the misty waters, but before even reaching the other side, a new herd had arrived, awaiting their turn. Dear son of mine, said my courtly master, those who have died in God's displeasure are all gathered here from every land, and they are all ready to cross over this river, goaded relentless by justice divine, overriding all fear of what may await them. Since no noble soul has ever he arrested, pay no heed to the ferryman's ranting, as you now have knowledge of what drives him so. And just as he said this, the dark land trembled, so strongly that now, at the very recall, a sudden wet sweat breaks out over me. The sorrowing earth exhaled a vast breath, that billowed and grew with a reddening light, submerging completely all of my senses. And I fell as one taken, abducted by sleep.